welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. Thank you so much for joining us here on the program. As we, uh, you know, we come your way every week with a lot of different programs, a lot of different guests, a lot of different subjects. And we're here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m. and Wednesdays at 9 a.m. with our special edition of Tell Me Your Story. Uh, we are also uh, on uh, podcasting on uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and a lot of other locations. We're on YouTube. You can subscribe to the podcast or the video cast. Uh, you can uh, get notifications when I put a new conversation up, and I hope that you will. And uh, we also hope that uh, you will listen live at the times I mentioned earlier at richarddugan.com. We uh, also ask that if you can support the work we're doing here, uh, we would appreciate it. Uh, we have a PayPal account. It is there not just for me, but for you, for your security as well as ours. And uh, we also ask that you spend some time going within and listening to that still small voice. We're going to talk a little bit about that as well today with our very special guest returning, returning to uh, our program. And I love having the, this couple on. Uh, we always have a fascinating conversation. We have uh, Andy and uh, Jonathan Goldman. And uh, we are, uh, we've had them on, especially in February, the last few years, talking about, of course, the World Sound Healing Day and uh, all of the ancillary areas that uh, deal with sound. Today, we're going to talk about sound, yes, but we're going to start off our program, then the universe takes over, and we're going to talk about all of those uh, ancillary sounds around us that affect us. And it isn't just the conversations, although that is part of it. That is, yes, the conversations that might take place at home or at work or in the grocery store or wherever it is that you might be. But it's all the other sounds, whether it's construction, whether it's the music that's playing in the background while you're shopping, uh, whether it's the rumble and the, the 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 humming of the engine in your car. And even if it's an electric vehicle, there's a sound there somewhere. The frequencies coming from your radio or your podcast or your video cast. Uh, this is one of the things that's always been a bugaboo for me is how, and I really try to watch this, folks, how the... Uh, sometimes there's a grounding problem with a microphone or a camera and you get this little buzz or little hum or something, how that affects us. And I want to thank uh, both Andy and Jonathan for joining us. And uh, uh, who wants to start uh, down that particular road? Because, I mean, there's almost nowhere. Oh, there is one sound that that I forgot about. And I don't, I bet you the two of you have heard it. And that is the hum mother <laughs> yeah. earth of mother earth mm -hmm. if you can find a place quiet enough mm. well richard i'm going to just start briefly by saying thank you so much for having us on today we are delighted to be here to share what we do know about sound and interestingly Jonathan just this morning was having a conversation with our office manager about this very subject. And I'm going to let you pick up where you left off. <laughs> well, Richard, I mean, there's so much to be said. Thank you for bringing this on because mm -hmm. we're basically talking about the soundscape of the planet. And this was originally if you like, investigated in the 1980s by a Canadian scientist and professor by the name of F. Murray Schaefer, mm -hmm. a beautiful book called The Tuning of the World, where he discusses all sorts of things, including, it was one of the first books that really dealt 
with noise pollution. Mm -hmm. So I want to honor this fella because nobody's heard of him because, you know, if, if, if it's any more than uh, two to five years old, it didn't exist. Yeah. But in the 80s and 90s, and he influenced a lot of people. But the bottom line that we first begin with this question of sound is to consider the nervous system, our nervous system, and how our nervous system is affected by sound. The first, if you like, level that the sound affects us is called psychoacoustics, which means the sound is going into our ears, into our brain, affecting our nervous system, our heart rate, our respiration, our brain waves. And then there's a second way, which is called vibroacoustics, which is actually the sound going into our body. But this is going to be mostly a psychoacoustic, i.e. the sounds we listen to that we hear that are, if you like, the most prevalent, powerful, and effective. And when I say effective, it doesn't mean that it's effective on a positive level, but that it is simply it influences us. And as I was talking with my office manager today, and we were talking about mm -hmm. duration of sounds that we hear and how on a level it seems, for myself at least, and for many people, that if they want to go deep into a sound and deep into a deep state of meditation, you need to be listening to the sound for about 10 minutes. And we were talking about the fact that nowadays, people have such a limited attention span that they can only listen to sounds for 30 seconds or a minute. And I then said to this fellow, well, you know, uh, I had a dream about 25 years ago where I was speaking to this group of businessmen trying to basically get them to invest in some sort of sound project. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to basically, so I started saying, you know, sound is really powerful. Sound can really shift and change you. Sound can do this and that. And all of a sudden, I'm not going to do it now. All of a sudden, I shouted real loud and, <laughs> and screamed out. And, you know, sound can really affect us. And the people there all jumped because what happens when you hear loud sounds like that is that you get the increase of heart rate, respiration, brain waves, your adrenaline goes through the roof. You get instant, uh, within... 10 seconds, you can get instantaneously stressed mm -hmm. out. Well, and also that um, activates the fight or flight response as well. And Jonathan, I think all of the things that you were just saying are so accurate and true. And I just want to bring in the part of we are so, as a culture, so bombarded with, with noise, which is sound mm -hmm. and what we try to do is to minimize that as much as possible, but it's really unavoidable in our current culture. And, and that fight or flight response really does happen. And sometimes I, I wonder if, you know, the, uh, the stress and the anxiety and all of those challenges that people seem to be having more so now than ever aren't as re a result of those underlying uh, huge sounds that are constantly bombarding us. We don't even know that they're bombarding us. We don't even, we're not even conscious of it. It just happens. And we're walking in these sort of, you know, chambers of, mm. of frequencies that are affecting us on these levels, these deep, 
levels psychologically and physically. Richard, you know that when you invite us on the show, <laughs> you can ask one question and then we will not give you a chance to speak. And Annie and I have had conversations about that. So what I'm going to do is not say what I was going to say, but I'll instead ask you to please chime oh, in. Oh, absolutely, Richard. Absolutely. Well, I will add to that um, that we also have these these little devices, yeah. earbuds. Okay, earbuds. And we right. stick those in our ears. Now, for myself, I have never used two earbuds at the same time. I just can't because I need to be aware of what's going on around me. Uh, and so I will only have, so do I listen to this stuff in stereo? No, <laughs> not unless I'm in the car. Uh, I have the stereo on, that kind of thing. And I'll still have the windows open. I love having the windows open in spite of the fact that if you're going down a freeway, you know, you get that rush of wind through the, through the mm -hmm. gaps and everything. But uh, then there's also, as I mentioned before, the, the sound of mother earth that I have actually heard, but there's also, in addition to what you've described, Jonathan, in terms of the the, the sounds uh, that go in our ears, as well as that bombard us. And I think in terms of the vibratory, I think of the cars that pull up alongside you that have the bass turned way up. And there's a part of me, and they have their windows down. And there's a part of me that says, hey, hey, uh, you can listen to the music all you want, but that's, I don't want to listen to that, okay? So could you confine that to your car? <laughs> Um, but it, it is also the sound of our body. There are times when I'm laying in bed and we live in a place where it gets really quiet. Oh, nice. Especially in the middle of the night. Cause the tree, the traffic on the highway that's down below us, uh, is, is minimal. I mean, you know, maybe a car every 20 or 30 minutes at the most. And I can hear my heartbeat in my head. I can even, you know, or feel it, that kind of thing. And I think that's kind of fascinating as well. And I, I know that, for example, the ultrasound uh, devices, um, certainly they're using sound and, and that type of thing, but they can all, they're also listening. Like, for example, when a woman goes in for an ultrasound and they can hear the heartbeat. But there, is, there are also sounds of the blood pumping through the veins and arteries. There are other sounds, for example, <laughs> if you've just eaten, of your body digesting your food. Or if you haven't eaten and you're, you're hungry, you get those sounds as well. But we get all of these different sounds, even from our physical bodies, uh, that, that not, sometimes we can not just hear them, but we feel them as well. Fascinating here where we're going here. I'm going to let you folks know that we are talking with uh, Andy and Jonathan Goldman, and uh, we'll continue doing just that as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and it is a, a real pleasure to have uh, returning to our uh, program, uh, Jonathan and Andy Goldman. Give us, uh, if you will, as we continue here, give a, for those who may be tuning in for the first time, Andy, give us a little background on your introduction to the subject, and I'm going to try to keep it as broad as I can, of sound. Um, was it something, were you introduced to this by Jonathan, or was this something that was of interest to you even before Jonathan came along? 
Oh, thank you for that question, Richard. Yes, it was of interest to me even before Jonathan came along. And I had another friend uh, who was very involved in the field of sound uh, that I knew from when my early 20s. And his name was Don Campbell. And he uh, created the Mozart effect that was very popular at one point in time. And it was through him that he introduced me to sound. However, my background is as a holistic psychotherapist. And so I utilized expressive therapies uh, in my practice, primarily expressive therapies, such as uh, gestalt therapy, dream analysis, union uh, therapy. And so sound therapy was sort of a natural uh, thing to uh, incorporate into my practice. And it was many years later that I met Jonathan. And uh, since I met, and that was, we've been working and, and doing life together now for going on almost 30 years. Wow. And so I have learned through Jonathan a tremendous amount because I consider him actually a founding pioneer in the modern day healing sound field. And so I, you know, the, the, the foundation that I had with sound before I met Jonathan obviously has expanded greatly since uh, we've been working together and <laughs> writing together, playing together, all of all of doing uh, life together, doing life. resonating together. How about that? Yes. 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 And, and Jonathan, what about you uh, in terms of your experiences over the many years? And I'm sure it goes beyond 30 years that you, especially with you and Andy uh, in terms of this interest in sound. Uh, I started out as a child and was always playing music. Uh, then the Beatles came out. I gave up piano and started playing uh, electric guitar. I was talking yesterday about the fact that when I was playing guitar, there were literally three other guitarists in the, in the uh, town that I was from, which was a good-sized town. And then mm -hmm. I went to college, and I was the only guitar player in the dormitory. Then I then a few years later, I was the only guitar player on the uh, dorm floor. And then I was lucky if I was the only guitar player in the dorm room. That's how much guitar grew. But I was playing professionally in different bands. Mm. And then I had, if you like, an extraordinary experience where I literally realized that the music that I was creating was helping influence an ambiance that people were being affected by it. And I thought, wow, I want to study this. And that's uh, that got me into the field of sound healing. So it's been over 40 years. And what's interesting, Richard, is that many people know me from my music. Blessed, I am Jonathan Goldman. You can basically, you know, say uh, to Siri or whomever it is, play Jonathan Goldman. Hopefully you'll get a, a pretty good uh, hit. But I also am the author of a number of really award-winning, best-selling books in sound healing. And a lot of people don't know that. So if they have me on their podcast or whatnot, they'll say, hey, um, can you talk about this and that? I said, well, it's obvious that you're not familiar with any of my books because this is the basis of all my books is X, Y, or Z. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and I was ultimately, I said, you know, sound, if you believe that everything in the universe and is in a state of vibration, then all of our life is basically affected by vibratory fields. So we can talk about anything from babies to old people mm -hmm. to in between to indeed the sounds that affect us. Because if you know about that, 
then you can interrelate with that. And I'm still not done with my question about answering you about <laughs> sa- the outside sounds. Can I get back to that in a minute? Sure, Just- sure. Absolutely. So the thing about uh, us being affected by outside sounds and particularly loud sounds, when I say loud sounds, I'm speaking to you now, we're listening probably between sound is measured in decibels, mm-hmm. which is uh, named after Alexander Graham Bell, believe it or not. And um, technically, uh, decibels are logarithmatic, whatever that means, so that each decibel is about 10 times louder than the other. So the difference between 60 and 70 decibels is a lot in 70 and 80. And you begin, You, I'm talking probably somewhere between 60 and 80 now, mm-hmm. a jet plane taking off or really loud. The Rolling Stones of Madison Square Garden might be upwards of 170, 100, not, no, probably 120 or 130. Mm-hmm. At 170, you're in pain. Mm-hmm. But at 120 decibels, you get permanent hearing loss without pain, which is kind of dangerous. Mm-hmm. And the reality, though, is when you want to start getting a spike in your heart rate and respiration, all you have to do is get around 100 decibels, which is not that loud. Could be somebody shouting. Mm-hmm. Now the question is, where did this come from? And it seems it came from our times as cave people. And we would be basically sitting around or maybe sleeping at night. And all of a sudden, there'd be the roar of a saber-toothed tiger. And we'd be up in a tree before we consciously realized what was going on. So once again, our heart rate, respiration, um, adrenals, all sorts of things, digestional process, immunological system are affected by loud sounds, as Andy was saying, the fight or flight response. But the difference is nowadays, we don't necessarily have saber-toothed tigers, but we can have airplanes buzzing us. We can have fire engines going by. We can have beeps and squawks and this and that from every different device that is alarming. So there are all these different devices that are that we're being bombarded with. And you say you live in a, a pretty quiet place, but what if you lived in New York? What yeah. would happen to your nervous system? Your nervous system would probably no longer consciously respond to these loud sounds because New York is being bombarded by it but yet you would be still affected by it. Interesting. Yeah. It just occurred to me that sometimes, you know, when there is this outside noise happening, you know, it could be, you know, the lawnmowers. lawnmowers, But, you know, but when this outside noise is happening, Richard, you know, I was saying earlier, you don't even really realize it, but then when it stops, all of a sudden you find your whole body just going into Ah, wow. Deep state of relaxation. And you don't even realize that that sound was affecting Mm. you as deeply as it was. But you, boy, the minute it stops, you can go, thank goodness that's gone. (laughs) And most people are not aware of this because as you were saying, you know, with people driving in their cars with the low bass frequencies, it was like the cars were almost levitating because it's so loud. But I always thought, you know, people are unaware that I've always wanted to take a flashlight and walk up to somebody and shine it in their eye and say, your sound is affecting me as this light is affecting you. I'm aware of the uh, sound. You're not. It doesn't mean they're not both adverse. Exactly. Exactly. We're talking with Andy and Jonathan Goldman, and uh, I am Richard Dugan here on the program, uh, making the sounds that I'm making uh, to tell you that you're listening to Tell Me Your Story.
And we are going to continue here on Tell Me Your Story with our very special guests, Andy and Jonathan Goldman, uh, talking about sound as we obviously emanate sound. <clears throat> one of the fascinating things, um, one of the elements uh, of sound that I have studied a little bit uh, just on my own and not necessarily uh, book learning per se, is being in the here and the now, being in the now moment. And that if you have heard it, you're already in the past. That sound is already in the past. You take a look at your recording device. You see that line down the center, Jonathan? One side, there's nothing there. The other side, you see the wave. Well, that center line before the wave is created, that's the now moment. The, the, the element where there's nothing is the past. And I beg your pardon, is the future. Whereas the element on the other side where the wave has been created is the past. And so once the sound has entered the brain and been translated into whatever impulses that allow us to communicate back and forth, we're already in the past. And, and, and so to me, it's like, uh, I sometimes wonder about some of these, um, deprivation chambers, light and sound deprivation chambers. Um, I have a feeling that the majority of people from big cities and even small towns, I think something like that could conceivably, I don't want to say that they would drive them crazy, but I don't think they could last very long in there. Because now they're going to be bombarded by the sounds, if you will, or as we like to talk about it, the voice, the, the, the voice, that inner voice, the mind and the voice, the monkey mind, and then that still small voice that we talk about, how we want people to listen for, going within and listening. Can we discuss a little bit about that? Not so much the, the deprivation chambers per se, but about at some level controlling these sounds that have will I'll, I'll use the term a detrimental effect on our uh, physical mental emotional and spiritual well-being and in 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 many cases even on those levels our health totally i just want to jump in for a second because ultimately you're talking about silence on a level you you're talking about that mm -hmm. and i'm going to hand that over wow. to annie in a second but saying that there have been studies of people who were raised in the city and taken out into the wilderness to spend the night listening to the sounds of the crickets and they freak because they can't deal with it exactly what you're saying now my dear <laughs> well i was i was going to say it's very interesting uh richard that you bring up the listening within because the word silent and the word listen happen to be an, an anagram they have the exact same letters i didn't them. know that and when you really contemplate that and really sort of meditate with that, you begin to realize how important it is oh. for us to 
listen and to listen within because that is where we do hear our inner wisdom. And that's something that is very foreign to many, many, many people. And when we're doing our teachings and, uh, you know, have groups of people, we always stress the importance of silence when we are making sound. But Richard, taking it back to when you were saying, you know, how do we handle all of these outside horrific sounds that mm-hmm. that bombard us? And what can we do to sort of help mitigate the negative effects that are happening in our physical, emotional, spiritual, mental bodies? And one of the things that that Jonathan and I love to talk about is when you hear these sounds, tune into them and become on a level friends with them. Mm. And that's hard to do. But when we push away, push them away, push them away, they're driving us crazy. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. But if you can go, wait a minute, I'm going to listen to that sound. Okay. Let me just sort of interface with that sound and see if I can become friends with it. Now, it takes a little practice, wouldn't you say, Jonathan? Andy, I'm going to basically ordain you as the next uh, spiritual master of sound because (laughs) I can't can't go there. I I do not know how to do that. When when we have the hissing of summer uh, uh, lawns, as Joni uh, Mitchell used to talk about, the lawn mowers, Mm -hmm. they are, and leaf blowers are two devices I got to somehow blot out the sound either with ear with earplugs, cover my ears, do some sort of noise masking, which means using some sort of, whether it's listening to music or putting in a, a, mm-hmm. a different environmental sound, something that'll do it because I do not have the ability. Mm-hmm. And one of the great tools, if you like, and I'm going to jump into this right now, is that we are big advocates of humming. Mm-hmm. So as a tool and that's good that's actually a great way if all of a sudden you get you hear a really loud sound a crash an explosion you get your heart rate boosted up we just suggest you do a little bit of conscious humming for a couple of minutes and that'll actually counteract the effects of one sound by reducing your heart rate respiration brain waves of of course and it really does when i say to become friends with it you know people many people struggle with uh Ten, uh, tinnitus, mm-hmm. tinnitus, whichever way you want to say it. And one of the things that we say is to become friends with that sound, you know, to try to match that sound and, you know, hum along with it rather than letting it be, you know, such a negative influence on your your physical and emotional body, which it really is. But it does take practice to do that, Richard. No question about that. And, and that whole aspect of going within just was, uh, I'm sorry, I know you got a question. Yeah, there, no, but just, just the whole thing. <laughs> we see the phenomena as of making our own sound or experience sound mm-hmm. and then putting ourselves into silence after that. And that really seems to amplify the experience of sound, whether it's a listening sound, whether it's a, you, your own sound or whatnot, but in the silence is really the space where it's very sacred and it's the space where the true shift and change occurs on your nervous system, on your physiology, et cetera. Yeah. Well, I know I've told you the story before where I think I was in my uh, 
early 20s and um, I was in this van with a group of people and we had just gone to a, a metaphysical uh, a church and we were coming back and I'll, I just started singing this song and uh, I was singing along there and and uh, after I was done, you know, a little applause and so forth. And this one woman uh, that uh, uh, I got to know fairly well, her name was Shari, beautiful woman. And she she turned to me and she says, she says, uh, why, why do you why do you uh, uh, not have space, you know, silence uh, between the spaces there? That's what makes the music. And, you know, need to let those silent spaces uh, come out because it's, uh, you know, that's that's part of what makes the music music in this respect. You know, those those spaces of silence. Now, I've listened to now. And again, we're talking here about vocalization in terms of, you know, the written word and poems put to music and so forth. Not so much, for example, classical music, where there might be silences, but there also might be lulls um, where the, the volume goes down, you know, the instruments play softly and then they come back and they get loud and so forth. And so it ebbs and flows. And I hadn't thought about that, that it's the, it's the silence, which is the spaces between the sounds that make the sounds more poignant, if you will, more profound, more important, shall we say. And uh, with that, I want to let you folks know that uh, we're talking with uh, Jonathan and Andy Goldman, and uh, we are talking about sound as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, I, I, I've been in this business of sound officially uh, for probably 43, 44 years. Maybe it's Matthew, maybe 79. I got into radio in 79, but I've been, I was listening. I remember my very first transistor radio that I got for Christmas one year. And I used to stick that under my pillow and I'd be listening. I'd have it turned down as low as I could so that no one else could hear it in the room, especially my brother, but that I could hear it. And then of course, got one of those little pillow speakers you'd plug into the, into the headphone jack. And when I got into radio, I began to meet people who had problems with their hearing, similar to what you're talking about, what you talked about earlier. And I could never turn the volume up on what I was listening to while wearing headphones as loud as they did. I mean, there were times when they would leave the room and I would put their headphones on and I, ah, you know, it was a shock. I, you're listening this loud? Unbelievable. How can you... And, and of course, years go by and, and they have trouble hearing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I never understood that. Uh, I mean, I, I, I would turn my father's stereo up when I was listening to my favorite records when nobody else was home, but not like it was going to reverberate the windows in the front room. Um, and unfortunately, that kind of damage is not reversible uh, as far as I'm aware. That once you have damaged the eardrum and and all of the parts in there, um, I suppose they now have artificial parts, but it's just not the same. Um, what you're saying, yes, is so not only true, but uh, I worry because um, the thing about earbuds, of which everybody is plugged into them now, yeah. Is when I use earbuds and I look at the volume on my iPhone or whatnot, it's about a quarter of the way up, maybe at the mm -hmm. loudest part. Mm -hmm. But I mean, other people do it, and it's it's jarring. And I will tell you, this is not new. I'm going to tell you a real quick story. There I am, 
I'm on a train from New York to Boston, Amtrak. It's loud. And I'm basically, uh, I was just getting into the whole sound healing phenomenon, becoming aware of the power of sound. And I looked and there was a guy down at the other end and I, he was wearing headphones and I could hear the music that was coming out. So I walked up to him and, and I tapped him on the shoulder I said, and he looked up. I said, take your headphones off. And he did. I said, hey, man, I can hear the music that uh, down there. I said, that is doing some heavy duty damage to uh, your ears. I'm just telling you, and you don't want to experience this later on in life because you're going to basically have problems. Mm -hmm. He smiled at me, put the, put the headphones back on, did nothing. And I mean, bottom line, Richard, is that you can tell people about this and it feels good, man. There's a rush of adrenaline that happens. Mm -hmm. You get getting that fight or flight response, but adrenaline can be addictive as a uh, hormone that is being released. And if yeah. loud sounds do that, people are going to do it. And only later do, you know, when I say years later. So I'm, yeah. I'm very much afraid where we have already created a hearing loss generation, and it's only getting worse. Well, our our generation, and I think we are we all three are probably from the same, you know, the the sixties, the mm -hmm. generation where yeah. you know people really started listening to music in really loud. Oh yeah, uh, ways. it was great. And I remember <laughs> I had my hearing checked when I was in college, and I was told at that time that there would be this uh, high frequency hearing loss as I got older because. I had listened to loud music, uh, you know, just as a, a, you know, regular thing. Everyone listened to loud music. But I've always been very conscious since I heard that of trying to not have extremely loud music mm -hmm. going on. And I, I'm now, of course, I don't listen to loud music really at all. Uh, you know, I don't have my frequency is just not matching a loud, loud yeah. music yeah. sound. Your voice is even soft. My voice is even, yes, yes. But I think that the awareness, just bringing it as much as we can to people because they're going to listen to their music the way they want to for sure. And at the same time, just to say, you know, just be aware that there can be some hearing loss down the road. And when you are down that road, you're going to lose a lot of other things <laughs> as you as you evolve more years on this planet. So you don't want your hearing to be gone. <laughs> and I'm going to speculate that tinnitus is prevalent among people, particularly our age, yeah. which is, you know, uh, and a lot of them are real unhappy because you can get sort of noise masking things or special uh, devices that'll semi take care of it. But no, there's nothing that's really good. There's nothing that is permanent and natural. And as we say, you know, if you got it, you can actually use it as a very deep and powerful meditation tool. Mm. And uh, there's a phenomena in advanced yoga called shabd, or the inaudible sound current. And literally, you can take the sound, this inner sound, and listen to it, and in your meditations, travel on it. But it takes a little work, and it certainly, as Annie was saying, it takes reversing the uh, sound, which is adversarial, and you turn it into an ally. And it, it, that it's a neat trick. That's one I've gotten better at doing myself because I've got a, a bit of a 
you know, tinnitus myself, but regardless, it's prevalent now, Richard. And I a plea to anybody who's out there is watch how loud you're listening to stuff because mm-hmm. you may not be uh, feeling it now and it may feel good, but down the road, yeah. it may be problematic. Absolutely. People, Richard, when you were saying at night how you are in, and I'm, and I'm just wishing that I was in a quieter place at night, although it's not too terribly noisy here where we live, but it's a city. Mm-hmm. But when you were saying that you could actually hear your heartbeat, you could actually hear those inner sounds of your own body. Mm-hmm. You were tuning in to that shobbed current, that mm. current within right. your own That's body. Right. That's right. Yeah. Amazing. It's incredible how uh, we, we actually sometimes do take sound for granted. You know, we just expect it always to be there. Um, there are times when I'm playing around here on the computer and I forget to reset the uh, playback and record the devices within that program. And it's like, wait, where's the sound? There's the wave and the thing is moving across and I don't hear anything. What's the deal? And, and then there are times when it's like, I am so glad I don't hear anything because I don't really want to be doing this right now. I want to be outside listening to uh, listening to nature and so forth. Uh, another another aspect of of listening, of course, we've talked about this uh, a little bit here on the program, and that is the, the listening to the still small voice. But there's another set of voices that I think we might want to talk about, and and again, they're it's more internal than anything else, or maybe it is just, maybe it's not even sounds, it's it's impressions. For example, um, we have this giant oak tree that's um, not more than 40 feet from our, our front porch, our porch, uh, that we can look out over. And we have been looking at it and noticing that on one side of the tree, some of the limbs seem like uh, they're a little on the heavy side and they're maybe going to pull this tree over. And so uh, my wife tells me, she said, you know, we need to trim back these leaves. Number one, I'd like to get back our view because the tree has grown in 17 years that we've lived here. It's kind of grown out in front of the view of the mountain ranges to the north. Now, that isn't necessarily a reason to trim back the oak tree. Plus, it's a protected tree here in California. But at the same time, we want to preserve the tree we, because we already have one tree that has fallen over due to all of the rains and the softening soil and so forth. So my wife goes out there and she is, in essence, listening to and communicating with the tree. And I'm thinking she's probably getting impressions, not so much any kind of a, an internal conversation but then again, I don't know. It's 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 her. But she, no, he the tree has said it's okay. All right, and here's how here's how here's how we're going to do it. And so we we did this, and there's still a little more work to do. But I find that that we don't listen, if that's the right word, to the natural world. And I, I'm not necessarily trying to. I'm not saying finding a quiet place. I'm talking about, and I may have mentioned this on a program before how nature is our greatest teacher. How is nature our greatest teacher when it comes to sound? Oh, that is so, thank you again for this question, because I have to share with you, Richard, that Jonathan and I, every day we make it, it's sort of our practice. It's our sort pilgrimage. of our, our meditation. Ah, practice. I love it. 
And we go out, there's a beautiful nature preserve about 10 minutes by car from our house. And we literally go there every single day. And we do meditate and we do listen. We listen to the sounds. We listen to the, the peepers. We listen to the, the birds. We hear the geese squawking like crazy. But there is something that soothes our soul by listening to the sounds of nature. And a lot of people don't have access to nature preserves or, you know, the mountains and the, you know, to be able to go out in nature to listen. But if you do have it, boy, we encourage that to just go sit out in your backyard and see if you can hear some nature sounds. Well, there's a pretty popular phenomena uh, that we have recently heard of. I think it began in Japan. They called oh, taking a nature bath, a nature which bath. literally <laughs> means um, sitting near an oak tree or whatnot, and literally, I'll say absorbing the electromagnetic fields of nature, mm. whether it's the Schumann resonance or personally, I've had my own uh, interface with uh, creatures like this and you can feel the energy and when I was younger and if I encountered a tree or a shrubbery or whatnot that uh, was ailing I would tone it and sing to it and sing harmonics and oftentimes our own sounds can interface and this breaks back I'm going to get into science for just a second okay mm -hmm. <clears throat> fellow by the name of Cleve Baxter who is the fellow who invented the lie detector, okay, the polygraph. Mm -hmm. And he did some uh, experiments back in the probably 80s and 90s. And I saw him speak on this, but I knew about them, where he would attach polygraphs to the leaves of plants. Oh. And, the pl and basically, among other things, he would speak to them kindly and they would do sort of there would be a reaction on the polygraph but the very very interesting thing was he at one point he was about to eat a sandwich during lunch and he had the well, rhododendron hooked up to the polygraph and a fly landed on a sandwich and he thought he thought about slamming the fly with his hand and the polygraph went off the scale the mm. plant was responding to his thoughts. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, that, 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 that's science. I mean, yeah. that, that's real. We don't know about that yeah. for the most part, but it's real. And, well, and so Richard, what your wife was, was doing probably was in fact very effective by listening to the tree and maybe she was talking to the tree. I don't know because we know a lot of people who do commune with the trees in that manner. And they really are uh, scientifically making a difference to those beings, yeah. those trees that are living entities. They're living beings. Well, I wanted to make sure, of course, when we did uh, cut the one limb that we did cut, <clears throat> that we would uh, seal up the wound. And I'm trying to think, okay, well, I could go buy what they sell. And it turns out that <clears throat> this other product that I purchased for another purpose uh, called the Flex Seal, you've seen in some, all these commercials, 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I looked this up on Google. I said, oh, no, that's that's even better than some of the other stuff you can buy in the hardware store, or the plant store, uh, because it allows the, the the wound to breathe, but it also keeps uh, keeps it from becoming, shall we say, infected and so forth. Wow. And so I painted that over right away, right after we finished uh, doing that. So I wanted to make sure that that we protected the tree and its its wound in that regard. And this is fascinating. By the way, <clears throat> you talk about this gentleman who had developed, uh, created the polygraph. Yeah. And that experiment that ex- that that happening. Yeah. Well, uh, you can go back to the I believe it's the 1930s. And in Autobiography of a Yogi, he talks about a gentleman by the name of Jagadish Chandra Bose, who yes, created yes. the crescograph. And Bose. Yeah. Speakers. Yeah. And uh, it's just amazing what he discovered and and so what it brought to my mind was the vegetarians in the audience when he did his experiments what he found was that uh, the plants had they were alive they were sentient basically they were they would they would react for example he was using chloroform in this particular story so the question goes out to to the vegetarians now that you know that plants are sentient now what do we eat you know, and I say it facetiously, you know, uh, I say that facetiously because I have no problem with people who are vegetarians. I, I love a good salad and vegetables and all that good stuff as well. Um, but it's, it's recognizing that everything is alive. I mean, even the rocks, I mean, quite honestly, when you think about it and I've seen this happen under the oak tree. Ah, Yes. Under the oak tree, the crystal there, uh, the leaves fall off every season, right? Now, it's it doesn't lose all of its leaves, but it loses a lot of them, and they fall on the ground. We don't, we don't rake them up and put them in the trash to go to the landfill. We leave them right there. And within the space of a season, the leaves, they didn't blow away. They're gone because they've transformed into what? Dirt dirt. And I saw this happen because I put in a run back in 2006 for our dogs. And I put these, these long pole, wooden, almost like a telephone pole, pole sections up against the fence to keep the dogs from digging out and so forth. Well, when the fence was finally taken down and everything was removed, the dirt was up above these poles that were laying on the ground. That's how thick the ground was after all of the decayed uh, fl- uh, leaves uh, had tr- had been transformed into dirt. Mm. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's not, obviously it's listening too, but you know, if you would just watch what's going on around you, as a matter of fact, we have this pile, they uh, chipped a bunch of wood on the property and they gave us a pile of it for mulch and so forth. Well, we left it there for a long, long time. And then this surface on the outside for about, I don't know, six to eight, 10 inches in, it's still chipped wood, but 12, 14, 16 inches in, it's now dirt, very dark, very rich. And again, I go back to what I said before, that nature is our greatest teacher. You want some rich soil, get yourself compost, you know, and then sit and listen, listen. I mean, I love standing out as I'm getting ready to leave for work. Uh, before I start the car, I'm standing outside the car and I'm looking around at the blue skies or clouds or what have you, the green of everything. And then I'm listening. I can hear crows 
once in a while up where we live. It's amazing. I don't know why. I think a seagull got a little off course, but I can hear a seagull in the distance. Um, I'll hear a neighbor's dog barking way off in the distance uh, and so forth. And then smaller birds. We have blue jays. We have all kinds of different things. And it's just, it's, it's like, yeah, I know I got to go downtown. I know, but I'm just going to wait another minute or two and just kind of breathe it in. And I think that's really important for each one of us to, uh, to begin to understand. We're talking with Jonathan and Andy Goldman, and you're listening to Tell Me Your Story. It's always a pleasure to have returning guests. Jonathan and Andy Goldman are just that, and they're here with us talking about sound and and the difference that the right kinds of sounds make. I want to touch with you now, Andy, a little bit, because you mentioned a gentleman that <clears throat> that you knew who did the research on what is called the Mozart effect. Now, the reason I'm asking is because, and I've, I don't think I've asked you this question before, and, and I'm, I'm wondering if he was ever asked, because I've been curious, why Mozart? Do you that, know? Yes, we do. We, because it was Don Campbell, and Don Campbell actually introduced Jonathan and I. And so we, and we both were very dear friends with him, but he created this music with the mm -hmm. Mozart effect. There was nothing that said, go and do Mozart. You could do any of the classical, you could do any music. Mm -hmm. I mean, he just sort of put it's a, this. It's a metaphor for one of a better term. Oh, yeah, okay. He just put this together with actually, it's our understanding, not a great deal of research. <laughs> And, you know, because many people, it was very popular, very successful. He did Mozart for babies, Mozart for children, you know, oh, so people, Mozart for breathing, for playing very... golf, you know, and, <laughs> and honestly, made a lot of money and he made a lot of money, right? True enough. But it did help a lot of people. And once again, I go back to intention is so much a part of when we're, you know, working with sound. And so the people had the intention, this is going to help my baby. This is going to help my baby to sleep. This is going to help me, right. you know, to have a better golf game. And so they're setting an intention along with the sound. And it probably could have been just as easily Bach or anything it, like that. Beethoven, so, you it, know, I the mean, Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, you know, and once again, I, I, I myself create ambient music that does a lot of this. In fact, I wanted to mention just because I think it's so great. It was really, literally the first CD that I ever created. I created this for the birth of our son, Joshua, over nearly 35 years ago, which has the sounds of ocean, heartbeat, choral voices and dolphins. And it's a recording called Dolphin Dreams, which was literally reviewed in Vogue magazine. They said, reduce stress without Valium. Uh, in other words, because it's got these different nature sounds and I don't think anybody had ever done, I, I'm sort of a mad scientist with sound. So I put stuff <laughs> together, see, you know, see, see what it does. And, you know, if it works and I like it, we'll try it with other people. They like it, they go, okay, this is, this is a go. And so putting all these different elements together and it was just um, a wonderful thing. It's called Dolphin Dreams and we still listen to it. 
when we get stressed out or we want to chill out. One or, of our recordings. Or I listen to it when I am trying, when I want to sleep and I'm not falling asleep. If I put mm -hmm. Dolphin Dreams on because it has got all of the elements that Jonathan just mentioned. And it also has the element of his intention of creating this music was fueled with the loving energies, the loving thoughts that he had for Joshua, our son. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to, for anybody who's listening in who knows the science of sonic entrainment and brainwave frequencies, yes, I also included some low-level theta frequencies and delta frequencies in there to enhance that as well. I don't, you know, didn't want to get too scientific, but, you know, there's all sorts of things. And a lot of these are found in nature sounds as well, like the sound of the ocean or cricket sounds. These things have unto themselves sounds that interface with our neurological system, our brainwaves, and bring us into deep states of relaxation. Mm. Well, uh, anything that we can use uh, in that regard uh, is, is valuable. My first real introduction into what I will call the more esoteric, because I put you in that category, esoteric aspects of sound and music. My first introduction back in the 70s with, with, was, is with a gentleman who I've actually had on this program, Stephen Halpern. Of course, oh, of course. Yes, we know Stephen very well. Of course. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I still have the albums. I still have the vinyl. I uh, haven't listened to it in a long time, but, but uh, it's like, well, of course, back then in the seventies, this was this and others like it. Was you know this woo woo music? You know this is silly. This is ridiculous. You know one of the things that struck me too was, in terms of some of these sounds, was the lighting. Sometimes lighting in a, a in a in a building has a high pitched ring to it. Oh. And people wonder why people, other people are having difficulty concentrating and focusing on their jobs, uh, you know, in this place. They'll even say, hey, I'm hearing this high-pitched ringing. And, it's, of course, it's coming from, I think it's primarily from the fluorescent lighting. Doesn't I just had that experience yesterday, Richard. I walked into a place and all yeah. of a sudden I started getting almost a strobotic effect because of the fluorescents, which are... I think uh, difficult for some people. Yeah. Or you can uh, acclimatize yourself and get get used to it, but it doesn't mean it's helpful. No, that's true. Now I don't know uh, if there have been studies, uh, any kind of research, and what have you on LED lights. Uh, I'm not a real fan of LED in car headlights because they're much harsher harsher than incandescent. Uh, but apparently, my eyes must be adjusting because they're 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 less. Um, offensive to my eyes as I'm driving at night, although I try not to any, any more than I have to. Uh, but again, it's it, we are bombarded 20, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year by all kinds of different frequencies of sound. Some of them we don't even hear. And I, I sometimes wonder what my dog is hearing, you know, because obviously dogs can hear much higher frequency sounds than humans, but that doesn't mean it doesn't affect us. Matter of fact, one of the most fascinating sound experiments that I saw was actually on the big bang theory. Oh. And you may have seen this if you've watched it where they took this big base, I guess you call it a woofer. They laid it on its back with the cone upright they took a piece of um, a piece of uh, cellophane, uh, 
uh, not uh, plastic wrap, okay? And they put a big piece over the top of it, taped it down. And then they poured a mixture of water, and I think it was baking soda. And then they turned on the music. Uh, and as the base of the song of the music that they were playing, and I think it was instrumental, you could watch the con the con com combination of water and baking soda dance on the plastic wrap. This is the science of cymatics. Mm -hmm. And you, I, I'm not even going to open that door except to say that cymatics uh, has been known about since ancient times, but was really pioneered by a med Swiss medical doctor by the name of Hans Jenny, and it's spelled C-Y-M-A-T-I-C-S, and uh, has been then since taken over by a number of people, including a dear friend of ours named uh, John Stuart Reed. And um, a lot of the, uh, the images are quite extraordinary in terms of different sounds. And, you know, once again, it's, if you like, it's sound made visible. And the word cymatics literally is the Greek word for the study of waveform, which of course is what sound is. Mm -hmm. and, and the really beautiful thing about cymatics is that as you saw on the program, you can actually see that sound is making, you know, the sound is making different shapes and the sound is affecting us. You know, when you see that, you go, whoa, this stuff is real. Right. And we're just big bags of water. So how yeah, much yeah. of our the water structure in our body is not being affected by sound? It's very easy to change our structural system with sound. Well, that's folks, a whole other topic. Right. Oh, folks can go to healingsounds.com. That's the website, healingsounds.com to find out more. There's also a website in regards to the annual event that takes place on the 14th of February every year. And it is uh, having to do with the uh, World Sound Healing Day. World Sound Healing Day. You'll find out about that also at healingsounds.com. Uh, to me, this is all just fascinating stuff. And, and, and of course, the thing that went through my mind when I saw that for the first time on that program, I'm going to tell you, it looked really funny at first, is, okay, if the bass that they're playing through that woofer is having that kind of an effect on the the uh, liquid, if you will, baking soda and water. And we're made up of, what is it, 95 to 95, it's just 97% water. Mm -hmm. What do you think that is doing to our tissues, our, our, our molecules, our subatomic particles, uh, and, and so forth? And then the other side of it is, and, and I'll kind of wrap that up here. And the other side of it is, and what if you were able to create vibrations, sounds that would actually heal, that would actually help? And there's a gentleman who I had the great, I say great privilege, uh, back in 2004 or five of narrating the video for Dr. Royal Raymond Reif and his frequency no. generator. Did you do that? I um, did that. Yeah. Right. Reif was great. Oh yeah. And what's so sad is his work was as damaged as people like Tesla. 
whose ideas were so far beyond the minds of the people at the time. But he, he and Royal Raymond Rife, they both struck a chord, and many have all, uh, down the road, uh, that, that basically is epitomized by something Einstein said. We cannot solve the problems or meet the challenges with the same consciousness that created it. And Tesla and uh, Rife and others they were, quite honestly, on the one hand, you could say ahead of their time, but they were doing just that. They were using a higher consciousness to help people at at the level where they were. Uh, and was it, I don't know that it was he, but maybe it was someone else who had invented the electron, I think it was the electron microscope that allowed Royal to be able to test live tissue. He basically, real quick, he used a, uh, a um, he it was, it was a microscope that he himself created that used uh, polarized light through quartz crystals. So it wasn't electron. Electron microscopes actually seem to and um, have to, needed the, uh, if you like, viruses and whatnot to be stained, which killed them. This allowed him to literally view the viruses while they were alive, and then he would put different radio frequencies through that would do it. Another fellow by the name of Dr. Peter Guy Manners, who uh, called his work uh, cymatic therapy, uh, which uses direct application of sound in the body for healing, is now called cyma therapy, C-Y-M-A hyphen therapy. And that's also really quite good. So this stuff is there. And just, you know, one has to be cautious of this because Mm -hmm. there are many, shall we say, facilities out there that find that it is very threatening to the, an established work. So one wants to be careful not to make any medical claims or anything like that, even right. though it may be amazing. Well, there's another gentleman by the name of Stephen Wright who wrote a book called um, um, Sanctuary. I actually interviewed him quite, Stephen Lewis, What a, I don't know what name I gave. Anyway, Stephen Lewis wrote a book called Sanctuary. I had the ch- distinct pleasure of interviewing him a number of times on his technology that he used and i remember going to see him back in 2004 in phoenix where he was there appearing along with wayne dyer oh yeah and um i remember reading the book and i remember listening to him there at the lecture and i took one of my business cards out and on the back of the business card i began to draw similar to uh the 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 uh, screen that i see when i'm editing audio and I remembered uh, going back even further, maybe to 19, the early 80s, we had an engineer who was installing a turntable and we went to play the record and uh, it sounded weird. It sounded very strange. And I, he said, oh, I know it's out of phase. So we had to go back yeah. in and he had to switch the wires to put it back into phase and boom, everything was fine. Well, that came to me as I am watching this. And of course, I had done this a number of times already where I will record a true stereo, left, right stereo uh, um, piece of music onto my computer. Then I would take one of the channels and I'd flip it. And then I would mix them down into mono. And the similar frequencies would be pushed way in the back. And the dissimilar would be brought forward. So the vocals were on both channels. 
they would get pushed in the back and sounded like they were speaking from a tunnel, from the far end of a tunnel. And I was creating basically soundtracks or what some might call karaoke today. Right, right, right. Well, I'm drawing this on my business card and I, w- I wanted to share this, uh, my, my discovery, if you will. Um, and I was sharing this with his um, secretary one day prior to. Uh, um, our inner first interview, but I shared it with him there at that lecture. And the conclusion that I came to was that if you, what he did and what others like Rife did, uh, basically that's what they discovered. They figured out what frequency uh, was coming from that particular cell or what have you. And he would create sort of the, the opposite to neutralize it. It wasn't a, it wasn't uh it was that, that was the process. And of course, this was what this woman said. She said, oh, no, 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 no. You can't talk about that. He doesn't want, no, you can't do that because he doesn't want that information to fall into the wrong hands. And I'm going, wait a minute. So you're telling me that I'm the only human being on the planet who has figured this out? I don't think so. Uh, we did talk about that, though. Yeah, Richard, uh, and it's kind of it's kind of like what you said, uh, Jonathan. This stuff, yes, it can be used for such beautiful, benevolent purposes, but it also can be used for very malicious purposes, which we've heard about from some of our government facilities overseas. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The Havana effect. Yeah. yeah. I, I was just going to suggest that another way of doing it, this is getting too technical, but basically <laughs> if you can figure out the resonant frequency of a virus or whatnot, just as you can shatter a glass with sound, mm-hmm. simply you don't have to put it out of phase. You just simply shatter the glass by basically over amplifying it. So you get the specific frequency doesn't affect anything else. Just gets, it just works with the specific frequency. And it's yeah. usually not a single frequency. My friend, usually rife work with three frequencies. Peter Guy Manners work with five frequencies. So it's not just a single frequency, okay. it's a composite frequency. And, you know, once again, I mean, but very interesting. And yeah, putting stuff out of phase is also brilliant. And yeah, you, that people know about this. And yeah, then next last thing is we've been talking about audible sound. Mm-hmm. But what happens if you start getting into the inaudible, the microwave range, the range of all these different frequencies that are being beamed at us through our cell phones, through these cell phone towers, and et cetera. What is that doing to us? That's another subject I was say, for that's another a day. Whole other topic because that is happening in spades right now. Hmm. Maybe we'll talk about that on our next program because. Um, uh, that's something that that is. I know a lot of people are concerned about. Um, I, I've still. I have to chuckle though when people were, <clears throat> specifically. This is uh, on a side note, uh, talking about the virus, and then of course the 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 antidote, the the shots that we were going to get over the last few years, and worried about some chip that they were injecting to track us. And I just sat there going. You have to be kidding me. You're afraid of a chip being injected in you. You're yeah. carrying it with you every freaking day. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jonathan and uh, uh, Annie. Uh, Andy, I want to thank you so much for being with us here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and we're going to wrap things up here with our very special guest, Jonathan and Andy Goldman. We've been talking about sound. HealingSounds.com is the website. HealingSounds.com. And don't forget about... Next year, February 14th, 2024, we're going to be celebrating 
Uh, let's see. Last year it was uh, this year it was twenty one years. So next right. year it'll be twenty two, right. uh, and yeah. twos will be in in vogue and wild. Deuces will be wild that that month, and we'll look forward to uh, talking with you then about it and how how things have um, manifested and changed, not just in your lives but specifically, but also the people around you and so forth, and also some of the maybe some of the folks who have participated and sent you comments in regards to uh, World Sound Healing Day. But before before we uh, wrap things up uh, again thank you so much for giving us so much time oh Our richard i delight thank you so much for inviting us we are delighted to have shared this time with you and our listeners and listen final quick little addendum with regard to world sound healing day uh there's something called the uh, global consciousness project and the uh, fellow from uh princeton university tracks the if you like um the this stuff and there was indeed a positive influence on our planet through uh, uh, this work out of Princeton. So blessed be. Thanks for everybody, including yourself, yeah. who uh, helped raise Absolutely. consciousness. Absolutely. And the more people that we get involved, uh, the 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 greater the changes that we can see manifested. So we're very excited about that. Before uh, we wrap things up, I want to remind you or let you know, and I want to thank you for listening to and watching tell me your story new paradigms for a new world where we are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true we are here on sundays at 7 a.m and 7 p.m monday mornings at 1 a.m and wednesdays at 9 a.m that's our special edition of tell me your story uh, we stream live at those times at richarddugan.com and we also have podcasts that are on soundcloud itunes TuneIn radio spotify stitcher player fm blueberry iheart radio amazon music we're also on youtube where you can watch these interviews and we hope that you'll subscribe but more importantly, we hope that you will click the notification button so that every time I post a new interview or conversation, because that's what it is, a conversation, that you'll be notified that, hey, there's something new to listen to, some new information, some new choices for you to consider. We hope that you will do that. We ask that if you can support us financially, we would be greatly appreciative of that. Uh, we ask you to go to PayPal. It's there for your security as well as ours. And when they ask for an email address, just put in richard at richarddugan.com. That's to whom you will be sending the support that you'll be sending. And we thank you, thank you, thank you to those who have and to those who will support us. We also ask that you spend time going within and listening. That's right. Listening. Don't just hear, but listen uh, and follow the prompting. So that's still small voice uh, and uh, just sit in that quiet, peaceful place. Uh, boy, I'll tell you what, you will not get tinnitus from that. I guarantee you. All right. Ah. To wrap the, <laughs> um, I am going to, because we've had you on so many times, uh, unless you uh, are um, uh, interested in doing so, foregoing those three final questions that we ask, because uh, the more times you're on here, sometimes the answers are different. I'd be more than happy to to put those questions to you. Matter of fact, uh, I don't think I've had you on since we changed one of the questions. Um, and we always start with Andy and asking her, who is Andy Goldman? <laughs> well, Andy Goldman is still trying to figure that out, Richard. <laughs> All right. Then who is Jonathan Goldman? I was just going to say that. She took my answer. <laughs> I've now gone back to, at one point I knew it all, and now I'm going, huh, what's going on here? <laughs> Richard, the, the longer that I spend evolving, I call it, evolving on this planet, the less I know. And who am I? That mm. is the question mm. that we spend a lifetime trying to... Right 
figure out. Well, Jonathan, what what is your life's purpose, Jonathan? Uh, Blessed be to like just help reawaken people to the power of sound and consciousness. Uh, Consciousness is a new thing. Compassion, the importance of compassion and trying to basically allow us to live a fruitful, beneficial, and kind life. And Andy, what is your life's purpose? My life's purpose, Richard, is to be of service in any possible way that I can be, and to be as kind and compassionate in my everyday life. My my service to the planet is where my focus lies. And every day I say to the powers that be, guide me today where I can be of the most service in loving kindness. And Andy, we'll start with you with this last question. What was your best day? My best day. My best day is today, Richard. (laughs) You know, as each day goes by. No, I've had so many, many best, best days, Richard. That's why I just give thanks for today. I'm going to say today's my best day because Mm. I'm alive and I am well and I feel wonderful. And I give thanks for that. (laughs) And Jonathan, what was your best day? day, Meeting Jonathan was one of those (laughs) best days. I got to just say ditto to everything that my beloved wife said. Thank you, sir. (laughs) Thanks to the two of you. And thanks to you for listening and watching Tell Me Your Story. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to Lal, Jeanette, I am listening. And dad, be happy.